and welcome to the Aussie Pastor Live, right here on Faith FM. G'day, my name's Lloyd Grolleman, I'm the Aussie Pastor. Welcome to our program today on what is a, and I'm looking out the window from my little house studio here in northwest Sydney, it is just a glorious, a beautiful and a gorgeous spring day. Yep, spring has sprung here in Sydney and it is beautiful. Hunty? G'day mate. How's it going at your place? Absolutely beautiful, as you said, now, glorious. You and me are a long, long way away. So one, I've got one point nine kilometers. <laughs> <laughs> what was it? One point nine. One point nine as the crow flies. <laughs> so I've got to check the weather over your place That's to see it. how things are going. That's right. Welcome to the program, Hunty. It's good to have you. Oh, it's good to be here. Thanks. And a great big, big welcome to our listeners. We're so glad you've joined us today for two hours of what I think will be interesting, vibrant, sometimes a little bit of fun, but very spiritual uh, as we look at different subjects around the world at the moment and also I hope and pray as we look at these subjects that you will get just a little glimpse of Jesus. No, so we, welcome. Uh, let me tell you about our guests, mate. We've got some guests coming uh, up Ah, we're going to do that in a minute. Are we? <laughs> yes, okay. we are. All righty. <laughs> <laughs> welcome. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. I enjoyed that. <laughs> I enjoyed that very much. All righty. We, we were having a discussion of who's captaining the ship. <laughs> I love you. I've got the bright colored buttons. We have, to, we have to be careful here on radio, you and me, don't we? We do. <laughs> Okay. Hey, look, um, we have some good guests today. Who are we they, Hunty? We've got a regular who everyone loves, and that's Harold Harker, and he has a great story for us. Actually, that story is a guy by the name of Columba. Yep. Who Now, I'm going to tell you something, Andrew. When it comes to history, and you know I love history. You do. This guy probably is, to me, as, as incredible a hero as I have. He is right, right up there in the very top echelons of mighty men for God. His name is Columba. He's an Irishman. I think you'll be a little bit surprised when we get Harold on. I can see he's there waiting in the wings even now. <laughs> yes, yes. Come on board. And we've yeah, also so got, we've got, we've got Harold got and Harold. who else? And we've got another gentleman named Hensley Gungadoo. And yeah. he is a very wise man. And we have some really hard questions for him. He's actually a Mauritian. Yep. Uh, who is an educator in our one and only university here in Australia, Adventist University. And I'm going to talk to him actually about how you can have, because I think this is really important, how you can have a practical walk with Jesus. Now, Hunty, yes. I, I ask you this every week, and I know the answer already now. You have been watching the news, and I have been reading it. That's right. Now, uh, front and centre of the news is COVID. In fact, since we started this program, how, how many programs have we done now? Uh, this is program 27. So we've done 27 programs that's, on radio. That's right. So since we started this program, it's more or less gone week after week after week. Yep. Uh, what has been front and central of the news? Mm, the problems COVID. we're having with COVID. And, and today, rather than avoid it, I thought we'd embrace it a bit. Okay. And we talk about Now, I don't know whether you know this, Hunty, but on Saturday, which is Sabbath, we had... And I'm going to get my facts right here. Here in New South Wales, 
1,000, a whopping 1,534 people who got COVID. That's right. Now, for Australia, that's a, that's a, that's a record. We have never had so many people in one day get COVID. But do you know on the same day, good old England, the UK, which has opened up, do you know how many they have? How many did they have? 38,000. Oh, dear. Oh, they had 38,000 and they're open and we have 1,534 in New South Wales. We are shit, we are slammed shut tighter than a can of tuna. Am I right? That's it. Now, here's some good news. Here's some good news before we, I ask you a question. Okay. Um, so we had 1,534 on Saturday. On Sunday, we had 1,487. On Sunday, one, th- well, I've kind of got that. Uh, let's, let's slip forward to Monday. I've got, got myself out of line yep. here. On Monday, we had 1,282. And on Tuesday today, 1,222. So if you look at the numbers, actually, and we're on radio, so we can't really mm. know this in the graph. So they're going good. down. Good. They're going down. That's good. The trend, the last, the four-day trend, and when I said it was Saturday, 1,534, I think it might have been Sunday. Okay. Sorry about that. That's all right. (laughs) Getting my figures wrong. But the trend's down. Yes. But, Hunty, I have a question for you. Yes. The ICU nurses sent an open letter to Gladys Berejiklian, our... She's our our, our premier. Our premier. Yep. I, I kind of like her. I do, and I'm not I'm not being politi- political. I, the, I, in fact, I admire all the premiers and think they've of all the different uh, political persuasions. I reckon they've done really good. Yep. But here you've got uh, uh, an open letter by the nurses, and they're scared. Well, I showed you the article. What mm-hmm. are they scared of, mate? They're, they're scared of flooding the ICUs. Do you know how many people? can get into ICU here in Sydney. I actually went and looked this up. You uh, want to hazard a guess, Hunter? Is it a couple of hundred? A thousand. A thousand, okay. A thousand. Now, right now in ICU, and I have these numbers, there's somewhere around 189. Yep. So close yep. to 200. Yep. What they're scared of is that in the next couple of weeks, the Premier keeps saying numbers haven't peaked, and what they're scared of is that it'll fill our ICUs up. Yep. And then we'll be in real trouble. What's your view on that? Well, it's is un- there an answer? Is there, there an answer? There is an answer. If you look how many COVID cases New South Wales has had since um, I think it's June, it's just over seven thousand. Do you do you know that ninety seven point three percent of those people are unvaccinated? But it gets worse. From the middle of June to now, we've got about a thousand people in hospital. of those people who are chogging up our hospitals and burning up our resources and wearing our nurses down are unvaccinated people. Now, before you go any further, I think we need to be careful. We do. Because not everybody, there's two things here. Not everybody who wants to be vaccinated can get vaccinated. Has had a chance to, that's correct. That's right. So I think we need to recognise that. Correct. The second thing is I think we do need to not be too hardline on this. Aussies are Aussies. We live in a free democratic country. People do have a right to decide what is put in their bodies and what isn't, correct? But yes, isn't there a caveat on that though? I mean, if, if you choose to ignore medical science and refuse to take the vaccination, how about you consider refusing to take a ventilator in an ICU bed? Again, I think you've got to be careful saying yeah, that. Yeah, I'm actually being a bit antagonistic there, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> uh, I, I, I think with, you, you know, you and me have both had 
um, the AstraZeneca jab, and we we take it pretty seriously, um, and that's why we talk about it on our program. Yep. And I think we've been willing to encourage people to to go and get the jab, haven't mm. we? But it is a serious problem, and our nurses are rightly worried because they're on the front line, and they can see that they're already running out of staff. Um, I know I have a friend who's an ambulance driver who quit. I've got a friend who's a nurse who just quit. They are stretched and pushed You're right. to breaking point. So what we're not recognising, yes, there are 189, close to 200 in ICU from COVID, but they are saying that regularly there's 400 to 450 people in ICU anyway. Yes. So when you put another couple of hundred on that, it takes it close to 700. Correct. You're actually not far from full. And when you're full, which the ICU rarely is, there is an argument that they actually don't have the staff to operate at 100% capacity. So, yes, go get the jab if you can. If you can. If, if your yep. conscience and, yep. and, and, and your experience allows it. But if you can't, then I think be careful. Yep. Make sure that you are properly uh, staying at home when you can, that yep. you are isolating yep. Yep. and that you are washing your hands and doing all these things, Hunty, that that um, people mm. can do. But we, we, we feel sympathy for everyone of course. on all sides of this argument. Yep. Um, moving on from COVID now, Hunty, I, I notice this keeps cropping up all the time, Taiwan and China. Mm, it's very serious. I went and had a look at this. Did you? I, I sent you an article mm. earlier today. Did yep. you have a look at that? Yeah, I read that. Quite concerning. Where they have a um, Taiwan has a an air defence zone. Yep. What I found interesting though is, did you know that the air defence zone of Thailand, of Thailand of Taiwan, actually goes over the Chinese mainland? I did not know that. Yeah. Basically, what it means is, if a Chinese uh, warplane takes off and it's in that air defence zone, it puts them on alert. They're not claiming that as their territory. It just put puts them on alert. Mm-hmm. What concerns me is more and more as China starts to uh, probe this air defence zone and they go deeper and deeper. What worries me is that p- perhaps somehow uh, you could inadvertently start a crisis or war. Mm. It's possible, mm. isn't it? Absolutely. Um, ha- have you ever been to China hunting? I have. I, I really enjoyed my time in China. Yeah, beautiful people, aren't they? Yeah, and, and I got to see those terracotta soldiers that, that are buried. That was just an amazing experience. Yeah. Um, yeah. Love get, Hong get Kong. Did you get up onto the China, the Great yep, Wall of Great China? Wall. Yeah, that's just an amazing piece of of uh, history there. Yeah, the saddest thing is, I think I wonder whether I'll ever get a chance to go and visit this these wonderful places the way COVID's going and the mm. way the world's headed. But mm. sometimes I think when we look at these, uh, you know, ignition points around the world, and it's not just Taiwan and China. You've got North Korea and the United States of America. You've got Russia and Ukraine. You know about what's going on over there. No, do tell. You've, oh, Russia and Ukraine have been at it for a while. They, they actually have had a, a limited little war between themselves. Oh, dear. Um, but it has the, the, the potential to explode right out into World War. Or you go to what's going down in Afghanistan at the moment where you've got a, a burgeoning civil war beginning how far that goes we don't know but everywhere you look around the world you've got these uh, ignition points rumors of wars and the threat of war and it's very serious and you just wonder how long it'll be until uh one day it ignites and if it does and i say this very respectfully may the lord god of the heavens help us mm-hmm. because never have we had the ability to kill each other like we do now in a war mm, true um what about this one, this last article we were looking at, news article today, Hunty, where some of the food stores, I'm talking about Woolworths and Coles, are running out of food. Mm. Does that well, put that, a little shutter down your 
spine? Well, they've been hit by the perfect storm, so to speak. They've had um, a large number of their uh, employees and workers and supply chains, they've had a large number of hit with COVID. Not so much that the virus is crippling them, but the isolation and the quarantining of people who become close contacts. I think Woolworths today has 500 of its staff sitting at home just on part of a, you know, wait and see for the results of the test. Mm. And so that's kind of really hamstrung their ability to keep the shelves stocked with food. And it's not just the Woolworths or the Coles employees or, or, or the, uh, what's that one? My wife. Well, Australia Post actually hasn't picked up a parcel for four days because they're flooded. Yeah, I'm just trying to. And not flooded out. with water, they're flooded with parcels. What's the, what's the, you've got Woolworths, Coles, and what's the third Aldi, one? Aldi. Aldi, yeah. Aldi, and then you've got your IGA, IGA stores. They're all struggling, and it's not, it's not just with their own staffing. Their transport and their structures that support bringing the food from the farm to the shelf are breaking down too because of what you just said, Hunty. Mm. There's mm. so many out being isolated because they've had a COVID-19 test and or scare or have got COVID-19. Yeah, true. Um, mm. And I noticed in the UK, similar, uh, and, and there's rumblings about this in Australia too, that the farmers, have you heard this, are struggling to harvest their crops. That's right. Because they haven't got the... The labour, yep. Because before we would have, what, students and yep. uh, backpackers and that from overseas would do a lot of the harvesting, correct? Correct, correct. But they can't get them in now, and they're, they're talking about visas, a special visa. The Australian gov- government is offering a special visa that which actually would allow you to come and immigrate to Australia uh, if you'll come and pick fruit. So it's pretty serious, isn't mm. it? You know, we've got, we've got a problem with even our normal seasonal workers that move around Australia throughout the different seasons to do various farm work and they're locked by, yeah. by border closures. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're indeed in serious times. There's no doubt about that, Hunty. And when you, when you look at what's, what's going on in our ICUs mm. with COVID, when you look at the threat of war, not just Taiwan and China but around the whole world, and then you look at things like our food security. Now, Hunty, you and me, I'm 57, almost 58. You're 56, almost 57. Yep. We've never lived in a world in the Western world where food security has even crossed our mind, am I right? True. When you see these things happening, I think we look up because soon we're going to see Jesus. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. This uh, next song's a good one, Hunty. Well, yep. our first song today. Yep. Lord, I Lift Your Name on High by the Maranatha Singers. You remember the first time you ever sung this song? Oh, I know, but I just love this song. I remember it was in New Zealand. I was working in youth work for the church over there. It would have been back somewhere around the late 90s, Hunty. I don't know how long this song's been around. Great song. Indeed. And this is a good group of singing it. Lord, I lift your name on high. I think you'll like this one.
that, Hunty. Mm. Good song. Oh, Good loved song. It. Loved it. Now, we're going to do a quiz today, but this is going to be very special because the Bible we're giving away is an NLT. Now, you can choose an NLT, an NKJV, or an NIV. I'm always going to give a Bible away, Hunty, in Love the it. quiz time. Love I'm not it. going to run a quiz every week, but it's always going to be a, a, a Bible. So you can choose NLT, NKJV, or KJV. You can only have one, though. Yep. And it will be a study Bible. Hey, that's a good question. And it's a beauty. <laughs> and we'll get a, uh, in fact, oh, I I hope it's a hard ask, question. <laughs> I better not ask the answer, Humpty, because I, I actually think you know the answer to this one, but it's not an easy question. Uh, so you ready? Okay, what's the question? Well, before we do the question, if you have the answer, it's, it, ha, is it going to be the first one who gets the answer? You know what? Yeah, you, we should you're the, the boss here. Yeah, what, we what, should, what we should give the phone number and the email out first because I will take the first correct answer. How's that? <laughs> You'd be not happy if you wanted a Bible and you're in the car right now. No. <laughs> On the freeway be... where you can't pull over. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, let's do it. What, okay. What's the phone number? All right. So, yeah, so you, gotta, you, you can either text you or can, you... You can email can... or text us. That's right. Okay. So you can text SMSs on 0488 or you can email us info at aussiepastor.com. Okay. Now, I love to study the Bible. Yes. And I have just I have just finished the book of Ezekiel. A fantastic book. And in Ezekiel chapter 1, mm-hmm. you with me, Hunty? Yep. And, and, and interesting, I've actually just gone into the book of Job, just done Job chapter 1. So I've, I, I've in the last few weeks I've done Jeremiah, mm-hmm. then I did Ezekiel, and now I'm into Job. Oh, I'm just enjoying the Old Testament at the moment, Hunty. But in Ezekiel chapter 1, you've got this incredible, I'm not even going to tell you where to go. Yep. You've got this, in, and you've got to give me the exact right answer here. Okay. You've got this incredible description of the throne of God. That Ezekiel's actually taken by God up into the throne room of God. Uh, could you imagine how beautiful and wonderful that would be? Oh, yeah. Here's the question. You ready? Okay. Don't give the answer, hunty. No. But I'm going to ask you, do you know it? I'm sure you do. What colour... Is the throne room of God? No, let me. I just yes, what yes, color yes. is the throne of God? Not yes. the throne room. Yes, I do. What know the color answer. is the throne of God? It's a good question, isn't it, Hunter? Good question. And we you will, will take... find the answer in yep. Ezekiel chapter one. And if you have the answer and you want a brand new, never used, you can have an NKG, NIV, or NLT study. This is a study Bible. They have study notes in them. Yep. What do they do, Hunty? Got to be the first person in on zero four double eight double eight zero eight five one, or the first person to email us on info at aussiepasta.com. That's correct. Fantastic. Mm. Mm. All right. I think it might be time to listen to another song. I like this one, Hunty. I just want to be where you are. Uh, who's singing this one? Uh, let me see. Love that because I haven't got it down. Okay. Someone Moan. Hang on. I should know the answer to this. <laughs> Don Moan. Don. Don Moan. Yes. Moan? Moan. I don't know. Oh, so you don't know this guy? Oh, that's that's. We've found someone you don't know. It's a good song, though. Lord, I just want to know where you are. Don Moan. I just wanna be 
worship from afar Draw me near to where you are I just want to be where you are In your dwelling place In your dwelling place forever Take me to the place where you are Cause I just want to be with you Surrounded by your glory In your presence That's where I always want to be I just want to be I just want to be with you I just want to be where you are Dwelling daily in your presence And the uh, thoughts on that song are about as good as you can get in life, aren't they, Andrew? Mm, mm. I just want to be where you are, Lord. And, you know, I was thinking as I was listening to that beautiful song, it's kind of my prayer too. I just want to be where Jesus is. So much peace from being in that kind of experience. I want to welcome Harold Harker. Are you there, Harold? Yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Welcome to the program. Good to, good to have you on board. What's the weather like this uh, Tuesday afternoon up there in, uh, well, you're way up in Kurumbong, is that correct? That's right, and it's a beautiful spring day. Uh, have you been out for a walk? I've been out, and it's been great. In fact, I played a few holes of golf. <laughs> so you, are you locked down or not locked down, or are you locked down but allowed to play golf? I think we've lost him there, Hunty. Oh, that's unfortunate. Yeah. Let me say. Try well, I've now. lost him try anyway. Try now, Harold. Try again. Okay. Yeah. I had a game of golf, but it was on our own property, and just two of us walked around. Ah, okay. Do you actually live somewhere that has a golf course? Yeah, down the back of the village. They've got four holes, and they make it nine. Okay. <laughs> I've never been real good at golf. Never had the, never had the patience for it. But they reckon, are you a golfer? I used to be. I'm learning again. I can't believe you ever had enough time in your life to be a golfer. Uh, before I went to college, I played well. Oh, okay. Because I know once you went to college, you, no. a, you, you went on to become a pastor, man. You didn't have a lot of time. No time. Hey, 
This guy we're talking about today, it's a look. I was telling Hunty at the beginning of the pro, uh, program, he's just about my favourite. Him and Patrick Wycliffe, these guys are right up the top. His name is Columba. Tell us a little bit about Columba, uh, Harold. When was he born and where? Columba was born in Ireland on the 7th of December, 521. So that's a long time ago. Yep, 1,500 years or more. Right. Now, his parents, they were descended from the High Irish High King. So they were part of the nobility of Ireland. Okay, so he was he was up there in the as far as uh, Irish were concerned. He was he was up in society. Sure, that's where he was. Was he brought up a Christian? Yeah, well, he was. Yes, he was trained because Patrick had been there before. Uh, there were even Christians in Ireland before Patrick came. Some who believed, but Patrick coordinated it, and virtually a lot of Ireland became a Celtic Christian place in the time of Patrick, and Columba was educated in one of those schools. So Patrick was there, what, a 100 years or so before him. He was an Englishman taken... He, we, we talked about him before. He had an incredible story, an English slave. He actually escaped, went back to England, and God called him back to Ireland, the place where he was... He went back, converted almost the whole island. That's right. And so you've got 100 years or so down the track, and you've got these Celtic... Christian schools, which are different than Roman Catholic. Is that correct? Absolutely. The Celtic Church believed firstly on the authority of Scripture. Everything depended on what Scripture said. Tradition didn't come into it anywhere near like the Catholic Church. And let me tell you, their main differences were their liturgy in their worship and their right of baptism. They believed baptism by immersion and they also observed the Sabbath. I've got a couple of quotes on their Sabbath-keeping, if you'd like those. Oh, look, I'm very interested in that. So are you telling me that Patrick, and a lot of people know him as St. Patrick, That's and then right. later Columba, so yeah. you could say in a sense Columba was the fruit of Patrick's ministry, even though Patrick was long gone. That's right. Uh, they were Seventh-day Sabbath keepers. Is that what you're saying? That's correct. Wow. Yeah, give us the statements. Here's from the history of Scotland from the Roman occupation, and it's talking about the churches founded by Patrick. They worked on Sunday but kept Saturday in a sabbatical manner. Okay. And here's another one from the history of the Catholic Church in Scotland. We seem to hear uh, to have an allusion to the custom observed in the early monastic Church of Ireland that's where Patrick was and yep. Columba came from, of keeping the day of rest on Saturday or the Sabbath. That's amazing, isn't it? They were Sabbath keepers. In fact, they were in England, they were in the UK, they were in Ireland before the Catholic Church even really got over to that part of the world. Correct. And so it was, it was a Celtic church that he was brought up in. Do we actually know where the Celtic, how the Celtic church got, how those beliefs got to the UK? The, the Celts, Ireland? The Celts originally came from the eastern part of Europe and moved right through Germany, France, across to Britain. Uh, they were one of the, the peoples there at that time and they brought Christianity with them. So when Catholicism finally gets to these to the Celtic Church, the Celtic Church in Scotland uh, and the Celtic Church in Ireland, did it cause any tension or, or was Catholicism 
embraced and embraced and just become part of what was then Christianity. There were massive pensions, and you have Queen Margaret of Scotland who made it her one thing to bring Scotland back to the Roman Church and forget Sabbath keeping. Yeah, in fact, in some sense, the Protestant Reformation began with the Celts long before it did in mainland Europe. That's correct. Okay, uh, what sort of relationship uh, did Patrick have? Uh, sorry, let me let me rewind that. What sort of relationship did Columba have to uh, education? I'm, I'm, I'm getting myself a bit confused here. My computer's gone flat, actually, Hunty. Oh, well, Finian, <laughs> Finian was another one of the Celtic missionaries, and he was running a school that Patrick had started, and there are up to 3,000 students. Did you know that in the time of Patrick and Columba, Ireland had the best education of any place right across Europe? And Columba was educated there by Finian, and he almost, he said, here are the 12 apostles of Ireland, and Columba was one of them who followed right in Patrick's footsteps. Okay, Pastor Lloyd seems to have got his mic muted, unfortunately. wonder how that has happened. Um, let's just see if we can fix this. All right, uh, Harold, whilst yep. Lloyd gets his, uh, his world in order, let's, um, I think, let's put a hold on that interview and let's run off to our next song. And that would be by Gavin Chatelier, I Believe. Every word Every 
Me? Got you back on your phone now, I think. <laughs> Very good. It's it's terrible, this live radio, isn't it? <laughs> oh, well, it's live. That's okay. <laughs> Just close your computer down. We'll save internet bandwidth at your place. Yeah, good. Okay. All right. Welcome to live radio. That's we it. love it. We love it. Yep. <laughs> can now you hear you me, Harold? I can hear you well. Okay. Let's go back to Patrick. Thank you uh, for your patience, mate, and thank you for waiting there. Let's go back to Patrick and let's... Talk to me about his education again. He comes from the island which had the best education system in the world. Is that correct? You're talking about Patrick or Columba? Columba, sorry. Yeah. You're going to have to give me time to settle myself here. There's a lot of panic when these sorts of things happen. <laughs> true, Hunty? True, true. <laughs> Let me tell you uh, that Ireland at that time had the best places for education of anywhere in Europe. And in fact... Uh, princes from across the kings of Europe would send them to Ireland to be educated and Columba was educated at Clonard Abbey in County Meath and Patrick had established that. It was one of the big schools. There are up to 3,000 students there. Imagine that was a university. Yeah, it was. Now, there was a character there by the name of Finian. Do we know much about him? Well, he was another great leader of the Celtic Church and he was one of the teachers of Columba and they got on well for a while. Columba had actually founded several churches and monasteries in Ireland, but then he had a scrap with Finian. Well, Columba must have been quite a sensational, even as a young man leader, because the fact that he was able to establish these schools and get quite a following... And then they have this argument together, uh, and, and, and the ramifications were serious, this argument between Finian and... and uh, yeah, Columba. Tell us what happened. Okay. Let me tell you. Uh, Finian had a Psalter. That's a songbook. And this was in the year 560. So Columba would have been about 39 years old. And he translated or he copied the Psalter... And he thought, well, now I've copied it. Finian can have his back. I'll keep it. But Finian didn't like that. And so uh, they had a scrap. And, in fact, there were sides that formed there. And ultimately, there was a battle. And in that battle, 3,000 people were killed. And uh, finally, they said, Columba, you can't be having a scrap when there's so many people are killed. You're going to have to be excommunicated. And he said, so what I'll go to Scotland and I'll win as many as died there. 
I'll become missionary to Scotland. Okay, so this is a very, very serious uh, uh, argument. This is this is beyond what I've ever had in the church board, that's for sure. So he goes to Scotland. When he gets to Scotland, does he take many people with him, by the way, from Ireland? Well, he took 12 companions who were also filled with missionary zeal and they too wanted to take Celtic Christianity across to Scotland and they sailed in a coracle, which is not a very stable boat. The 12 of them made their way from Ireland up to Scotland and they kept going. Uh, Columbus said, I want to go to as far as I can so I can't see Ireland. And so he came to the little island of called Iona. Now, I remember many years ago going with you to Iona, and to get there, what mainland town did we leave from in the ferry? We left Oban. Oban, we left and, Oban went and went across to the island of Mull and then across to the island of Iona. So then we got on a bus and went to the island, and we went in the middle of summer, and I can ne- I'll never forget, it was freezing cold, Harold, in the middle of summer, where we eventually end up in this tiny little windswept island. Just describe for us, will you, to our listeners, what Iona is like. Iona is a small island on the western side of, of Scotland where the Atlantic would come in. It would be very rough on the ocean side. And uh, in there, uh, he settled and he was given some land there by the local king and said, you yep. can have your training school there. And so he set up on this half barren island, uh, very small, away from everywhere else, and he started training people in to be Christians just like he was. So the people who actually come across to Iona, the Scottish people, to be trained by Cumber. Yeah, and he, he got so many students there, he sent them out as missionaries to England, to the Netherlands, to France, to Germany, to Italy, to Switzerland, right across Europe. This was a missionary centre that Columbus started on I, on Iona. Unbelievable, really. So, so firstly, start with Scotland. Did he make a difference to the nation of Scotland with his, with his school and those who came out from his school? Well, it influenced Scotland so much that the King of the Picts, and Scotland had Picts there to start with, yep. he became a Christian through the efforts of Columba. A Celtic Christian? Yeah. He would have been a pagan, I would have imagined. He would have been to start with, but he became a Christian because of the influence and the teachings of Columba. Now, I'm, I'm not sure the answer to this, but did... His missionaries get down to England and then across to Europe. You mentioned he sent them to Europe. Do we know much about that? Yeah, well, they got across into England. Lindisfarne was a place in England where you would have yep. had missionaries from Iona, and they got across to Europe. You remember the story of Columbanus. That's another one yep. of those. Yeah. So really, he, him, Columba and his little school shook the then-known world. That's right. Do we know when and how he died? He died on the 9th of June in 597. He would have been about 75 and a half years old. But let me tell you something. Here is a great story that comes from Butler's Lives of the Saints. It says, having continued his labours in Scotland 34 years, he clearly and openly foretold his death 
and on Saturday, the 9th of June, said to his disciples, This day called the Sabbath, that is the rest day, and such will it be truly to me, for it will put an end to my labours. They kept the Sabbath, and he died on a Sabbath in 597. It would have been, when he was 75, that was been an old age in that time. Yeah, yeah, it was. In fact, you know what I like about that story? This guy who knew Jesus, you couldn't say his life was perfect because he did get in, involved in an awful brawl that took the life of a number of people uh, back in Ireland. And so in some sense, he was sent away in disgrace, but God had a work for him to do. Here he is, 75, dying on the Sabbath. He had no fear, did he? That's, that's him. No fear of him. His faith was strong in Jesus Christ. It was, and he had no fear of death. And I think that's one of the beautiful things about following Christ. Your fear of death dissipates. Um, do you think there's anything uh, we can learn today from Columbus' life, Harold? I think, firstly, let me tell you, they dug up his bones and they took them back to Ireland and buried them at Down Patrick and there's a great place where they've buried Columba back in Ireland. But what can we learn? I think is to have the authority of Scripture and to put Jesus first in our lives. That's what he did and that's what he did all his life. Fantastic story. And if you want to know more about Columba, I'd encourage you to Google him because he had the most amazing life. You know, that trip I did with you to Europe so long ago, Harold, I was, I think I was uh, not even an ordained pastor back then. It was very early in my experience as a pastor. That trip to Iona was one of the highlights. It always is. The missionary yes. centre of Scotland. Just an amazing place. Well, thank you again, Harold, for being with us today. I really appreciate your stories. They stir me up. Look forward to talking to you again soon. Amen. Thank you, Harold. Thank you, Lloyd. God bless. God bless. Yep. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. Well, Hunty, I don't know whether our listeners can tell or not, but we've had a major (laughs) breakdown here. Yep. (laughs) I think our listeners can tell because you're on the phone now. (laughs) I've I've gone from a computer. Yep. To the phone, yep. and you know what happens to the phone hunting? No for idea. What it's worth? Yep. It's an Apple iPhone now. It's only seven plus, so she's an oldie. Yep. You know that actually overheated, mate. And oh, working. It's oh. Like, does that sound normal? That's unfortunate. <laughs> yeah. So look, what I'm looking for is a song hunting to yes. see if while while the song's going, yes. I'm going to see if we crank the computer well, I've got a, up again. I've got mate. a beauty, one of my favourites from one of my favourite groups of all time, the Heritage Singers. It's called yep. "The King Is Coming." Thank you, Mike. Oh, the marketplace is empty No more traffic in the streets All the builders' tools are silent No more time to harvest wheat Busy housewives cease their labors In the courtroom, no debate Work on earth is all suspended As the king comes through the gate Oh, the king is coming 
Absolutely a ripper. Can can you hear me? Oh yes. Now um do we echo I, I can hear you, but that's a good thing. I'm praising the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a oh man, what a day. What a day. Yeah. Everything broken down. This is not going to be one of our classic programs, no. but praise the Lord was still you remember at the beginning of this program you said to me, Oh quick, let's do a check up on the phone. <laughs> Because we may need to, because Hunty's extra careful, and I'm at the other end of the scale. Yes. So I'm going to give you a heart attack before our ministry together is over. And you remember, I was like, no, 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 I don't want to do it. We did it, and it worked. That's but right. then when we needed it, didn't work. So, right. oh, That's boy, right. what a time. Hey, Hunty, we're going to do RC Aussie Park. Can you just give us a phone number and, and uh, email? Text certainly okay. Yeah. Um, if you'd like to send questions to ask the Aussie pastor, and we love to get your questions, we've got a couple of good ones in already today. But the reason we love getting your questions is it gives us an idea of the kinds of issues and situations that people are dealing with. And Pastor Lloyd loves to be able to scratch where there's an itch. So to contact us for any of your questions for Ask the Aussie Pastor, it's easy. You can send us a text or an SMS to 0488-880-851 or you can email your questions to us. It's simple. You just send an email to info at aussiepastor.com. Now, it is true. I would love to hear some questions. We've got a few in. We have. Some, some we have. good ones. Yes. Or Hunty says they're good ones. Yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> let's, let's hope so. Uh, but we'd still love to hear from you. And we're going to have us Aussie Pastor, what, Hunty, in a, a few minutes after this song. Um, okay. All right. So is, let's is see that, where we yeah, are. Yeah, it is. Touch the Hem of His yep. Garment is the next song we're going to. Now, this is, a, this, is, this is sung by um, 
some African-Americans that powerful. Actually, Hunty, when you've been in America, have you ever been to an African-American church? Oh, yeah, I have been to a church where the choir is huge and the vibe is bumping. The the worship must be fabulous. It's I've fabulous. never been to one. It's absolutely you, fabulous. I lived in America and I never got a chance to go to one. <laughs> um, and the preaching, some of the finest preaching in the world too, isn't it? Well, probably. I just love the music. It's amazing. Yeah, I, it's I amazing. love their preaching and their music. Mm-hmm. And this song is as good as I think it's an oldie, though, isn't it? It is an oldie. Yep. Until, yeah. Yep. It's called Touch the Hem of His Garment. And when we come back, we're going to be asking the Aussie pastor. It's not too late. Get your questions in. Let's enjoy this song, Touch the Hem of His Garment. Oh, there was a woman in the Bible days. She had been sick. Sick so very long But she heard God Jesus was passing by So she joined The gathering throng And while She was pushing her way through Someone asked her What are you trying to do She said if I Could just touch the hem of his garment I know I'll Be made whole She had no, had no more to spare The doctors, they done all they could But their medicine would do no good When she touched him, the Savior didn't see But still he turned around and cried Somebody touch me She said it was I who just want to touch the hem of your garment I know I be made whole right now. She stood there crying, oh, 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 yeah, beautiful song. Yes. It's actually, they're called Soul Stirrers, the group is sung. That's that right, yep. Yeah, um, I, I don't know that group, but they're good. Hey, I want to throw things all up in the air. Okay. W- with with what's gone on in our studio today, and we've had, I think, in the, you said this is our 27th program. Yep. This has been the worst technical failure. This is the most failures we've had in a row. Yeah, so uh, and I'm not sure how much of it's my fault until I talk to Hunty at the end of the program. <laughs> you know I'm blaming you for all of it. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> I know you've got. I know your internet's died at your place. <laughs> I don't think it was the internet. It was something going on with the computers, mate. But I want to um, before I want to give them a little bit extra time to get some questions in to okay. ask the Aussie pastor. Yep, yep, I yep. want to go back, Hunty, to our Bible study discussion. Sure. 
we had a discussion. Now, I have no idea what song we're going to sing after this, so I'm going to leave you to work okay. that out, Hunty. All righty, <laughs> let me think about this. <laughs> because uh, what I want to do is I want to just spend a few minutes, and we were going to do this, and Lloyd got himself all confused and hot and bothered and sweating and gasping for breath and panicking, <laughs> and I've, I've kind of gone off the rails here and, and, and lost our program. But I do want to talk about this Bible discussion, Hunty. A lot yep. of people... Yep. Uh, Christians out there, and I know it's in the Adventist church a little bit too, uh, they have a little issue when it comes to perfection. Yes. And I have seen it in Adventism and I've seen it in Christianity too, where people somehow in their mind, in their heart, get this idea, and I think it's out there in the Aussie community too, this idea that if you follow Christ and you want to be saved, he demands Perfect obedience, sinless perfection. In fact, I have heard some Christians, and again, I'm not trying to absolve my own church in this. I've heard people in churches that I have preached and taught in will come to me and say, Jesus cannot come. Have you ever heard this, Auntie? I have. Until he has a generation of people who can perfectly keep his law. Now, we love God's law, don't we, Auntie? We do. I think it's right up there. It's so important. It's In some sense, God's law is a reflection on his character, who he is. And so it is important, and obedience is important. But do you have to be perfect to be saved? And one of the, one of the key scriptures, people who believe this, and I'm bringing this up because I want you to have assurance today that Jesus loves you and that he's with you, and that he wants to save you. One of the key texts I use is Matthew, Matthew chapter 5 and verse 48. And I wonder, Hunty, have you got oh, that I do, scripture I do. there? Yep. Would, you be, would you be happy to read that yep, out yep, for yep. us, mate? Yep. Matthew chapter 5, verse 48. Okay, it's pretty clear. But you are to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. So the Bible says we are to be perfect. Yep. Even as our Father in heaven is perfect. Perfect. How perfect is our Father? 100%. Yeah, you can't get more sinless or more perfect than God. That's right. And this is Jesus talking. Let's, let's not try and escape this. Let's look at this scripture and look at it front on and be honest and open. What's he saying? Can you read it again? Yep. And I want you to just hear what Jesus is actually saying here and let it challenge you. Okay, Hunty. But you are to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Okay, we're to be perfect. Yep. Does that mean to be saved, you've got to be perfect? Yep. Ooh. Absolutely. Okay, Hunty, without unlocking the truth mm-hmm, to this, mm-hmm. to start off with, can you see how people who believe that you've got to be sinlessly perfect to be in heaven can come to that conclusion as they look at that text mm, of course i've got friends who who read that text and take it literally and think that the only way they're getting to heaven is if they're perfect can i challenge you that we actually should take it literally yeah i agree we should i agree can i go should. even further and say that if you want to go to heaven you need to be perfect yes i i i know where you're going with this and i totally agree <laughs> It's very important to go where I'm going, isn't it? It is very important because at the moment, if you leave it like this, 
you'll have a lot of people, as I have friends, who are working hard, getting frustrated and depressed and trying their hardest to get attain perfection so they can make their Father in Heaven happy. You know what, Hunty? Um, I'm 31 years going, 32 years. Can you believe this as a pastor? Yep. Next, in the next few months, I'll start my 32nd year as a pastor. <sighs> no wonder I'm tired, mate. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, the reality is it's been a great joy. Yes. One of the jobs I have as a pastor, as you know, um, is I've got to go and visit people in hospital who are dying, correct? That's correct. You do. You know? And it's a very serious thing to, to, to visit someone who's dying. And I've seen two types of Christians. There are those who believe that unless they are sinless and perfect, they're not going to heaven. And there's another group we'll look at in a moment. And those who think that their perfection and their sinlessness is what's going to get them to heaven. Do you know what sort of deaths they have, Hunty? Uh, I can only imagine. Is it scary? Mate, I have one person. I won't even tell you whether it's a guy or a girl. He's... Do- <laughs> I just did it. <laughs> I got him. <laughs> yeah, 50%. Oh, well done, Lord. It is one of those days. It is. It? it is. He's dying, mate. I go and sit up next to his bedside and grab his hand, and he's so scared of dying that he, he as he's dying... He had a vice-like grip on me, you know, mm. uh, and it's an awful thing to see that. So what does Jesus mean when he says, be perfect, even as your Father is in heaven? Let's have a quick look at it, Hunty. Yep. First John, Yep. I reckon this is one of the greatest little uh, compartments in the Bible that tell us how we're saved and what this actually means. Be perfect, even as your Father in heaven. First John chapter 1, I want you to read verse 8 to 10, mate. Sure. If and we- if you've got a Bible, by the way, follow along with us. Obviously, if you're in the car, that's not happening. But mm. if you're at home and you've got a Bible or you're in front of a computer or you've got your phone, look it up. First John chapter 1, verse 8 to 10. I think you're reading, what, NLT, Hunter? Yep. 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 Thank you, mate. If we claim we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. Okay. There's the first thing. Yep. Don't claim what? Don't claim to be sinless. No, if we claim we have no sin, what did it say? Can you just we, tell it? Tell if, we, if we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves. This is the Bible. Yep. This is the Apostle John inspired by the same man, Jesus, God, who had said earlier in Matthew, be ye perfect even as your Father in heaven. But John says, hey, if you claim you have no sin, what? You're fooling You're yourselves and you're not living in the truth. Yeah, okay, go on, hunty. Okay, but if we confess our sins to him... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all of our wickedness. So if we confess our sins, if we go to Jesus and say, hey, I, I, this is what I've done, and I'm just so sorry, that's confession. What does the Bible say he'll do? He will be he'll faithful. Cle- sorry. You go. Yep. He's what does faithful the Bible say and just do? to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from our wickedness. Forgive us and cleanse us. Yep. Two things. He will forgive you. The second thing is he will cleanse you. When he cleanses you, are you perfect? Uh, yes. Aren't he? Yes. I'd say yes. Okay. Let's go to chapter two now. Okay. Let's unpack this just a little bit more for another minute or two. This is okay. really important. It'll give you a lot of assurance if you decide to walk with Jesus because there are going to be a lot of people out there who claim Christianity, who claim Christ, are going to say, hey, unless you're sinless, unless you're perfect, mate, you're not going to heaven. I've had it thrown at me mm. my entire Christian life, hunty. Yep. Yep. This is important. 
Okay, what does the Bible now say in chapter 2 of 1 John, verse 1? My dear children, I'm writing this to you so that you will not sin. Okay, that's a good one, hunty. But if anyone... John says, John says, I don't want you to sin. That's right. Go on, mate. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our cases before the Father. He is Christ Jesus, the one who is truly righteous. He himself... Yep. Wait, wait there. Do you know what an advocate is? Yep. Someone who who works on your behalf. Intercedes, yep. Yeah, someone who stands between you and God. Now, this is how you are perfect. Amen. We have a what? What does the Bible call him there? Uh, An advocate. Some versions call him an intercessor. Yep. He stands between us and God. You know what? I love this, Andrew. When you go to Jesus and you say, Jesus, it's Lloyd or it's Andrew, Hunty here or or Grolly, and dear Jesus, I, I really have done some stupid things. And then I talk to the Lord Jesus and confess my sins. I acknowledge them to him and I say, now, here they are, Lord, so I've acknowledged them. And then I say, would you take them and forgive them? He then takes those sins upon himself and he forgives them. Now, I want you to start at verse 1 again, Auntie. Yep. Yep, yep. I want you to watch what happens now. Read it through, bro. My dear children, I am writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. He himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins, and not only our sins, but the sins of all the world. So when you give your life to Jesus and you give him your sins, he not only stands between you and God, God, he takes your sins, he takes them to the cross, yep. he pays the penalty for them. You're with me, Hunter? Yep. And then when God looks at you because you have given your sins to Jesus and Jesus has taken them to the cross and he's paid the price for them, when God looks at you, what happens? He doesn't see you. He sees Jesus. He sees Jesus, yep. And Jesus is what? Sinless. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Mm. Be ye perfect. Put on that robe. That's Jesus. Put on Jesus so that when the Father looks at you, he sees perfection. When Jesus says, be ye perfect even as your Father in heaven, he's really saying, put me on. Take me as your Saviour. Let me stand for you. Let me pay the price for your sins. And then God will look at me, not you, and I am perfect. You like that, hunty? Love it. Just finish it off. Sure. We can be sure that we know him if we obey his commandments. If someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a liar and is not living in the truth. See how balanced this is, mm. aren't he? Mm. Once you've had that relationship with Jesus where he's, he's, he's saved you, he's put his perfection on you, then you're going to become an overcomer. And yep. we're going to talk about that more yep. next week. How do you become an overcomer? It's a good, it's a really good, good subject. So you want to be perfect like your Father in heaven, then you need Jesus. How do you get Jesus? Repent of your sins. Ask him into your heart. He takes your sins to the cross. Yep. You are saved, and when God looks at you, he sees Jesus, not you. Praise God, praise God, praise God. God. Now, Hunty, yep. I have no idea what song we're I've, going to, I've so you're up. going to introduce it <laughs> yes. and take us through. I've queued up a lovely song. It's called Great is Thy Faithfulness. Thy faith. 
Beautiful song. Well chosen, mm. Hunty. It was by She Reads the Truth, and it's one of my favourite songs. Okay. Well, time for Ask the Aussie Pastor. It is. It is. And just so you know what's going on, we'll have another song, and then yep. we've got Hensley. Hensley, yep. Gungadoo, yep. waiting to, I reckon, share with us a really important uh, subject. Nice. Uh, so go for it, mate. Okay, the first question. Actually, we've got a few COVID questions. I'm going to roll them all into one. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Here yeah. goes. Okay. Uh, do you think it will be mandatory to be vaccinated to go to your church? Yeah, possibly. Yep. And uh, the, the, is, the way, just, just before you rip yep, that one on, yep, yep. I don't want to just leave that as a one-liner. Yep. Um, we are in a health crisis. Uh, a lot of people like to mix up at the moment uh, what's going on. And, and I've noticed this even, even in my own churches. Um, what they're doing is they're mixing up a health crisis with a spiritual crisis. Yep. Now, there is a spiritual crisis aspect to this, but the reality is we're in a pandemic. And while we're in a pandemic, governments are going to take action to protect their people. Now, look, if it's because Jesus talks about at the end of time, there'll be persecution of the Christian movement. We know that, Hunty. Yep. So we're, we're looking at the end of time. There's a lot of people going, oh, well, we can't go to church. This is persecution of the Christian movement. Well, no, it's not. And you want me to tell you why not, Hunty? Mm. Because you can't go to the pub either. That's right. And you can't go to the club and you can't go to the races and you can't go to the local RSL and you can't go bowling and you can't go to your local restaurant. So the crisis is a hell. It's not like the government. It's not like the government is pointing is is uh, sidelining the church or, or or putting the church out there by itself and saying, well, you can't go to church and everybody else can do these other things. Does that make sense, Hunty? It does, and this next this question that rolls is, into it. Well, wait, 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 yep. wait. This yep. is a health crisis. Correct. It's not – there's a spiritual aspect to it because it it, 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 it is uh, – uh, it really is difficult for us to go through this, and we need Christ to keep our spirits and our hearts up, but it is a health crisis. We need to understand that. So if they say to us, you've got to be vaccinated to go to church, and they may. I don't know whether they will or not, Hunty. Well, they're going to be saying at the same time you've got to be vaccinated to go to a restaurant. They're going to be saying at the same time you've got to be vaccinated to go to the pub. They're going to be saying at the same time you've got to be vaccinated to go to football. Does that make sense, It does, Hunty? and our Premier announced yesterday that Initially, when they open up churches, you will need to be vaccinated to attend. So that is become that has become a government requirement for churches. But but it's the same. It's it's the same for for, for, all, saying, for all, all gatherings. That's um, right. Yeah, yeah, it is. So this it question is. that rolls in on top of this one is: um, some say a vaccine passport is a prelude to the mark of the beast. What do you think about that? That's a pretty good question. I don't see. I, I don't think a vaccine passport. There's absolutely no. I want to make this clear. There's absolutely no evidence scripturally or biblically that a vaccine passport is the mark of the beast. Mm. But there's no doubt that they're putting in rules now that in the future, whenever that is, they could certainly redirect them to bring pressure on the Christian movement. They could do that, Hunty. Mm. But at the moment, they're not. And there's nowhere in the Bible. You can go from Genesis to Revelation. You can go to the book of Daniel and Revelation, which talk specifically about the mark of the beast. Man, it, it's it's not a vaccine passport. I, look, I personally, me personally, I hope they don't bring a, a vaccine passport in, Andrew Hunt. I really do. I, I, I think uh, it'll put so much stress and pressure on us that's not necessary as a people. And the reason I say it's not necessary is, Hunty, already, whether you're vaccinated or not, we're still ca- we're vaccinated, we're still carriers, bro. That's right. We're still carriers. You're still spreading. Um, so whether you're vaccinated or not, you're still going to spread it. So Correct. 
other than to protect the person who's unvaccinated, I don't really see there might be people out there who'll pick me up on this, but I don't really see the point of a vaccine passport other than it protects you if you're not vaccinated. It actually protects you. Actually, I actually do see. Home. I actually do see the point. Um, if they bring in a, a vaccinated passport rule for, say, hairdressers, and the hairdressers had the vaccine, and so have all their customers, then all people that go in and out of that business, in theory, won't wind up in ICU clogging their hospitals. If you allow an unvaxxed person in there, amongst all the vaxxed people who are carrying it. You potentially could add to the flood in our ICUs. But you know what? We've talked enough about this today. Let me get to the next question. <laughs> do you believe that only SDAs will be saved? And do you have to be a Sabbath keeper to be saved? Uh, number one, so that's from the same person. Yes, it is, yes. I know you don't have to be an Adventist to be saved. To be saved, you have to choose the Lord Jesus Christ to be your saviour. That's mm, it. That's it. Do you have to keep the Sabbath to be saved? Well, keeping the Sabbath won't save you. That's right. But we just looked at how when Jesus does save you, you fall so deeply in love with you that you will become obedient. And I've got no doubt because the Sabbath is so important to your walk with Christ because it's 24 hours Friday sunset to Saturday sunset. It's 24 hours of time you spend with the Lord. It's so, so Beautiful. I don't keep the Sabbath because it's in the law or the Ten Commandments. I keep it because I want to be with Jesus. It's it's fantastic, Hunty. Amen. Spend that time mm. with Jesus. But yep. uh, 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 what was the question? Do you have to keep the Sabbath to be saved? Uh, do you believe only SDAs will be saved? And well, the answer to that is no. Keep yeah. the Sabbath to be saved. And what was the second part? Sorry. Do you have to be a Sabbath keeper to be saved? Yeah. Again, you have to choose Jesus to be your saviour. I'm not equivocating. Here. I'm just saying how it is. The Sabbath will become, in the Holy Spirit's time, a part of the experience. But the Sabbath doesn't save you. Jesus does. Mm. How do I choose what church to attend? Uh, the simple answer to that and the short answer is read your Bible and then when you look at the different churches, denominations, Christian movements, judge those movements by what you are reading in Scripture and try to find a church that best in your view, best reflects the Bible that you're reading and studying. The reason I'm an Adventist, I don't think Adventism's perfect, hunty. Of course. I don't even think we're necessarily perfect by any stretch of the imagination doctrinally, but I can't find a movement that's closer to Scripture than Adventism. Does, Does that make sense? It does. But you have to read your Bible and find that for yourself, and I think, you know, it's very challenging. You will. Where are you going to find a church... That Sabbath keeping, uh, believes Commandment in second keeping, coming, uh, believes in, you know, go and read your Bible. When you read your Bible, line that church you're looking at up against Scripture yep. and make your yep. decision yep. from there. Now, these next two questions I've grouped together because they're on a similar theme. Sure. Um, firstly, why should I believe in God? And the second one? Um, Just so I know can I I'm believe going? in God and not attend church? Should, these are pretty curly, some of these today, uh-huh, aren't they? Uh-huh. Uh, the, the simple answer, why should I believe in God to me, and this is a simple, quick answer, is simply because God completes me. I cannot be complete. I cannot find peace. I have no real satisfaction in life unless I have God. Mm-hmm. That's, so that's believe in my God truth because as well. You're mm-hmm. designed to be a God believer. You're actually designed for it, and you won't be complete you won't find peace until you have. Yeah, hunty, another mm, one. Mm. What was that other one? So can I believe in God and not attend church? 
Uh, I, I believe God will lead you to church in his time. And the reason I say that is because I think there are a couple of things that are really important. I'm going to talk to Hensley about this in a moment, about how to have a practical walk with Jesus. I think uh, uh, prayer, uh, I think prayer, constant prayer, daily Bible study, really important, Hunter. You've heard me uh, going on about this for years. Yep. So prayer, Bible study, and I reckon church. And the reason I say church is because you get courage, encouragement, courage, wisdom. You have an experience when you meet together with other believers in worship to God. And this whole thing really is about worship. And there's something, look, it's great to worship God alone, but it's very special to worship God with other believers too. And that's why I think church is really important. So what was the, just run that question by me again. Do I have to? Um, can I believe in God and not attend church? Well, you can. Of course you can. But there'll come a time if you've got a deep experience with God that he's going to talk, he's going to call you, no doubt in my head, he's going to call you to the wonderful experience of worshipping him with other believers. And I've got these next two questions together because oh, okay. they're also similar as well. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, what's the difference between uh, a pastor and a priest? And uh, then that second part of this question, well, the second question I've grouped is, should I learn specific prayers? Oh, okay. They are quite different, actually, those okay. two questions. Okay. Uh, pastor and a priest, it's just a term. Uh, Catholics and those religions that are probably closer to the uh, Catholic uh, doctrine and liturgy would generally call their religious leaders pastors. They call them priests. Uh, whereas if you go to the Protestant uh, cause, mostly they're not always, but mostly they're called pastors. I don't think it really matters that much. I think what you're looking at is just a term to designate a spiritual leader in the lo- usually yep. in the local church. Yep. And uh, the last question is: Should I learn specific prayers? Oh, uh, I look. I guess the Lord's prayer is a good prayer to know specifically. Yeah, there are some good prayers: the Lord's prayer, the sinner's prayer. But basically. When it comes to prayer, again, a short answer. Jesus just wants you to talk to him from yep. your heart. You yep. don't need specific prayers. Yep. Um, yeah. When you pray, talk to Jesus genuinely and generally from your heart. But there may be a time. I mean, often uh, um, when I've fallen into deep sin, hunty, I'll go to Psalm chapter 91 and I'll pray that prayer literally word for word there and it, it helps me a lot. So there is perhaps there is a time. Maybe I'll ask that question to Hensley in a minute or two. But yep, that's yep. the end of it, is it, Hunter? That's the end of it. Thanks for your questions. Can they keep sending them in, Andrew? Yes, if you, if you send these your questions to, uh, you can text us on 0488-880-851 or you can email us info at aussiepastor.com and whatever we get between now and next Tuesday, we will present to you next Tuesday. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. We got the song lined up, Hunty. I reckon we're back on the run sheet. Shine, is it Shine Jesus Shine? Um, I've got Cliff Richard. Um, just no, a little talk with Jesus. Just a little talk with yes. Jesus. Right. I'm all over the place today, aren't I? <laughs> we can say on. this is a bad, it's a bad Lloyd day. He's doing bad things with the technology, and he's <laughs> way off the plan. Go for it, mate. Here we go. Jesus took me in, and then a little light from heaven filled my soul. His faith, my heart, and love, and wrote my name.
Yeah, mate. Are they really called the homeless singers? Well, that's what my run sheet says. Yeah. <laughs> wow. What a name. Great song. Just a, just a little talk with Jesus Love from it. the homeless singers. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, cool. And for those of you who only heard singing only or only heard the band only, it's a split track song. <laughs> oh, is, is, did that happen for that, some of our listeners? I'm or? imagining it did, yes. <laughs> oh, I'll ask you about that later. Indeed. <laughs> uh We've got Hensley online. Is we that do. right, Hensley? We do. You there, mate? I've got to be careful today. He's there. Because He's just got to say hello. Hey, hello, hello, Lloydie. Hello, Hunty. Hey, mate. Okay, I'm really glad to hear you are there, the sort of day we're having. How are you, Hensley? I'm good, thank you. I want to say good afternoon to your listeners, to Lloydie. Yeah, now you have a very interesting life. Tell us a little bit about what you do. Yeah, I do have an interesting life. I mean, I've got a loving wife and two loving children. Um, the most important thing that I think I do is I'm a father. Uh, but I'm, I'm sure you didn't ask me about my family life. You asked me about my professional life. Well, actually, it's a good thing being a father. Did you get anything for Father's Day? Man, I, I mean... The, the kids, they ordered a pair of shoes from England for me. Wow. They know my weakness. Ah. And, and yes, I, I spent the whole evening shining that shoe, bring it to a mirror shine. Yeah, they know my weakness. So they ordered a pair of shoe, brown, beautiful brown, uh, from England for me. From okay. Quantum. So, so first of all, we, we know that you're a father, and now we know you're, you're a shoe lover. Um, fantastic. Um, I, I got some good Father's Day presents myself. Uh, mm-hmm. 
for the first time, and I, I was grateful for that. Now, um, tell us a little bit, yeah, about what you do for a living, because I, I do think it's interesting. Okay, uh, I'm, I teach at Avondale University, um, for your listeners. Uh, Avondale University is found in Lake Macquarie. We just became a university, the first, uni- the first private university in Australia. Uh, so I teach theology here. So you teach pastors, you teach student pastors to be pastors? And not only student pastors, we teach a whole range. Uh, we have teachers in our class, we have others. There are some people that come and study and don't want to become pastors. So we, we teach a whole range. So it's not only pastors that study with us. There are a lot of different people for various reasons that want to study with us. You know what? I do have a regret, and this, re- this is my regret. I went to, to college when I was 21, 22. I did a religion major. Uh, here's my regret, Hensley. I wish that when I had, as a young man, sat in those classes under my theology lecturers and professors like you are, I wish I'd listened more. Isn't that amazing testimony? I wish I'd listened more. Um, there's a couple of things, Lodi. I mean, first of all, I think you're still a young man. <laughs> We're liking this guy, Hunty. <laughs> and Excellent. the other thing, the other thing is, I think we all wish we listened more. I wish I listened more when I was in college. You know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh dear. Sometimes I wish I could go back and just sit in the classes, but I think that might be a bit disruptive having an old man especially a pastor, uh, come in and anyway, that's another thing. Hey, I want to talk to you about something you teach at the moment. Um, and you do teach practical Christianity, how to have a walk with Jesus. Is that right? Yes, I, I do teach practical Christianity. I also teach how to read the Bible, um, those kind of things. Yeah. Actually, talking about that, I might get you back to talk about that sometime, how to read the Bible, because that's another very important subject, isn't it? You might even touch it today. Yeah, sure. Um, hey, um, we live in a secular world here in Australia, and it is very, very secular. Um, and some of our listeners probably belong to that world. I wonder if you could tell me, from your heart, is it actually possible? Because you go to uni, higher education, almost exclusively they will tell you very certainly that God's, God's dead, he doesn't exist, he never existed, the world never came into being from God, and yet here you are, uh, a lecturer in a university, and you're saying quite the opposite, that God is alive. Is it possible to have a real relationship? I'm talking for our listeners now. Is it possible to have a real relationship with God? Yeah, I mean, I can relate to the question you're asking. I remember once going through an airport reading a book, and somebody asking me a question, hey, what book are you reading? I'm reading something about God. Why are you reading about God? Well, I teach about God also. says, what? I mean, you, you teach about God? Or what do you teach about God? And yeah, I can relate to that. People tend to think that God doesn't exist. God is not there. Yet I think that if you look deeper, you will realize that God is there. God, he does exist. We have a need for God. It's not only a need as a support, but we really need to have a walk with God. Now, you asked me to talk from my heart, and I'll talk from my heart right yeah, now. Good. Uh, when I was a young man, 19 years old, I left my home country, which is Mauritius, by the way. I left my home country, left my mother's house, left mom's cooking, left, uh, you know, the family roof, 
and went to a country in West Africa called Ghana. Different country, different climate, different food. I was finding it hard to adapt. Uh, it's a beautiful country, but I was finding it hard to adapt. And as I was finding it hard to adapt, I came to a point where I was sitting on a bench and I started crying. And there I said, God, if you are real, I want to put that challenge to you. You said that you are the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. I know that you've been the God of my father because I've been under his roof all his life. But today I want you to be the God of Hensley. And I want you to show me how are you going to be my God? From that day onward, I had a walk with him. I was able to go to him, take my troubles to him. And I was in Ghana and I thought to myself, I wouldn't last one month. I did last two years in Ghana. And I attribute that to me having a close walk to God. So on that day, I can still remember me sitting on a bench and crying that prayer, tears in my eyes. And God came through for me. And and because he came through for me, uh, we now have a walk. We talk to one another. You know, So it is possible to have a relationship with God. How many years do you th- have you been walking with God? How long ago was that? Well, I was 19, so I'm going to reveal my age now. I'm now, uh, I'm now 51. So that would be more than 30 years ago, so 32 years ago. Okay. Funny mm-hmm. how sometimes you've got to get away from home. Before you can discover God, like I, I remember, I I had it almost exactly Hensley the same experience. Only I was in the United States, going to college at, in Northern California. Same thing. Got away from home. Uh, I think when you get out from your protective environment, it does make you start to question. You do go looking if you're brought up a Christian. You, you do give a lot of people like us. We do give the God of our fathers a chance. Hey. I want to get really practical here. So you've been walking with, you said, with, with God for 31 years. You gave a testimony about how powerful that's been. How do, if I'm a listener and, and I was where you were in Ghana 31 mm-hmm. years ago, what do I do? How do I practically get in contact with this God? What, what do I do? So, again, I'm going to talk practically what I've done. I've spoken to God. Um, I heard you, I came a little bit early on your program, and I heard you talk about prayer. And a lot of times we think that uh, prayer is something esoteric, you know. But prayer, as I would define it, is talking to God as you will talk to a friend. So I'm having a nice conversation with you um, before I had a conversation with Hunty. And it's like that, talking to God. Uh, When I was in my time of crisis on that bench, I didn't think about... Uh, words, maybe in, in the King James Version or whatever, you know, Old English. Mm-hmm. I just brought out what was really on my heart, what I really wanted to talk to him about. Now, I live not far away from my place of work and I have a beautiful walk. And as I walk down, I talk to God and I tell him things that worries me or things that I'm thankful for. I said, you know, Lord, I mean, like, I've been thinking about that guy and, you know, he is doing well, so I'd like to thank you for that. Or I'm saying, you know, I'm thinking about these people and they're not doing that well, you know, so please be with them. Um, I have a cousin currently that's suffering and I'm talking to God about about him. So it's just a talk as you would talk to a friend. So you, so you, when you talk to God, this is you talking to God, right? Yes. 
and I, I think this is a fair question. Does God talk to you, Hensley? God talks to me in, in a lot of ways, Eloidi. Uh, at times, I, I mean, uh, there are days I would say, okay, God, they, I've got a blank page. Uh, I know it sounds a bit creepy, you know. <laughs> I've got a blank page. And, you know, tell me what do you think I should do today? And at times, you know, the things are simple. You know, you say, be a bit more, be a bit more nice, be a bit nicer to your wife, or be kinder to your children. You know, those kind of things. But there are times when he would speak to me through different people. At times, I will talk to him, and when other people would talk to me, I say, I can, I can recognize God is speaking to me through those different people. Uh, God speaks to me through the Bible, uh, Lloyd, you know. Um, yeah. That's a, a powerful way for which God speaks to me. So, yeah, there are many ways God speaks back to me. Uh, he speaks through the Bible. He speaks, you know, at times I put a, a blank sheet. At times mm-hmm. he speaks through other people. Let's talk about the blank sheet for a moment mm-hmm. or, or other people. Let's talk about those two ways yes. and go back to the Bible in a minute. How do you know it's God? And not your imagination. Because the first thing someone would say to me, oh, that's just Hensley or Lloyd or Hunty. That's just their imagination. How do you know it's God? And when you're listening, and, so, and let me take that even further, you're listening to someone, I've had the same experience, and they say something to you and you go, oh, that's of God. How do you know? Hmm. That's, that's a fair question. And it's a difficult question. I think I ask you not to throw curveballs at me and there you're throwing some curveballs at me. <laughs> <laughs> You're a university professor, my friend. <laughs> uh, how do I know that God is speaking to me? Yeah. And that's a very important question because a lot of times people would say, God spoke to me when after a while we realized he didn't speak. Yeah, yeah. So that's a very important question. I, ha- I have a lot of checks and balances that I go through. Yep. First of all, uh, if what God is telling to me, is it really going according to his will? His yep. will to me is presented in the word of God. So Good. I want to know, is it going according to his will or is it contrary to his will? The next thing, a lot of times, I mean, some things are self-evident. I mean, you know, like like you talked to your listeners a little bit earlier, we're not perfect. I mean, I'm not yep. perfect. Yep. There are days that I can do better as being, at being a dad. There are days I can do better at being a husband. And if God is talking to me and said, no, you need to be better at, at being a dad or being a husband, yeah, yeah. then really, you know, I will, I, will, I, I will take that on board because these are self-evident. But at times when I feel that he's told me to do something, uh, I'm a little bit like Gideon. I put the fleece out and I say, okay, oh, good. okay God, you know, this is what you've done. Um, can you show me uh, that this is really what you want me to do? Can you give me some signs that you really want, okay. what you want me to do? Um, I also, Lodi, I would talk to my colleagues. Yeah. Okay? I'll talk to my colleagues in the department. There are some wonderful people in our department, like Dr. Puni, Dr. Yeah. Duval, you know, you yeah, know yeah. them, Dr. Jackson. They are wonderful. I'll talk to them and I'll ask them, what do you think? Yeah. And, and, and I, I will listen to those godly people and hear, well, is it my own imagination or is it, you know, really something where God is pushing me in that direction? Okay, now I'm going to come back to God talking to you in the Bible in just a minute, but I want to ask this question. Does God talk to you in your head? And if he does, how would you recognize God's voice? Look, 
I look at myself, there's a lot of things in my head, a lot of people talking to me in my head at the moment. My wife talks to me in my head, mate. <laughs> uh, my church members talk to me, in, Hunty talks to me in my head. You didn't know that, do you, Hunty? <laughs> but there's a whole lot of voices in my head, do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So one, does God talk to you in your in my I talk to me in my head. So mm-hmm. number one is, does God talk to you in, in your head? And if he does, how can you tell it's God? voice the, the first thing is that you know like true my wife talks to me in my head you know and mm. that kind of thing if hunty was talking to me in my head i'll be a bit worried <laughs> <laughs> if you if you work with him 24 7 sometimes he's well and truly in my head <laughs> sorry go on <laughs> let me give you an let me illustrate by an example um one morning i got up and i said god I want to be an instrument of yours today. That's that's all I said. That's, that was my, the only prayer I did. I want you to. I want to be an instrument of yours. I want you to use me. So I went to work. At that time, I was in beautiful Victoria. Yep. Um, my head office was at Nanawading. I don't know if you know that part of the world. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I went to Nanawading. Came back stuck in traffic, and it was about four thirty, five o'clock. You know, stuck in traffic, and you know nothing yet. Then my dad rang me says, there is a young man that is in trouble. When I look, my next uh, set of lights where I had to turn to go to that young man. Went to that young man, it happened that he was like me from Mauritius, a student. He had no money for rent, no money for food, no money for transport. He doesn't didn't have a job. So when I looked at that, I said, well, that's a God moment. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's a practical God moment. Mm-hmm. How, how do I know? I, I know through the results. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know through the results. Yep. Okay. Uh, um, would it be fair to say, and let's get into the Bible and God talking to you in the Bible, because I think this is really important. Would it be fair to say that when you're in the Bible and you're hearing the voice of God, that as weird as it might sound, you start to recognize that voice of God in the Bible so that when it comes to you in your head, you're probably more likely to pick it up as being God or is that that uh, a bit of a you know, pie-in-the-sky thing? Well, we know that the, the, the surest and the most important way that God has spoken to us, he's spoken to us through the Bible. I think last week you interviewed somebody that talked about why God spoke through the Bible and how can we be confident that God spoke through the Bible. When you read through the Bible, and for me, reading through the Bible is important. I spend at least an hour a day reading through the Bible every day. When you read through the Bible, you start getting a feel of who God is, what he is, and his understanding, his love, his passion for mankind. And and it could be that you live your life through the day thinking about those things that you've done and you've read through the Bible. Will, will the Bible actually talk to you about things that are going to happen to you? So, say you choose to read the Bible in the morning. I'm guessing that's when you do it, before you get up and go to work or whenever. Um, will the Bible talk to you? Would you hear God talking to you in the Bible about things that may happen to you that day? Again, again, Lily, most of the time uh, when I read the Bible, uh, the, the way the Bible talks to me is be more virtuous. Okay? Mm-hmm. Love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, when somebody slaps you on the right cheek, cheek, give him the left cheek, you know? So most of the time, the Bible is talking to me about being more virtuous, um, be more patient, be more loving. 
Um, Paul said, be an imitator of me as I of Christ. Most of the time the Bible say, look at Christ, look at his example, and try to emulate that example. Um, is, is that like, when you, when you read that sort of uh, material in the Bible, that sort of truth, is it like Jesus is talking directly to you when he says that? Oh, definitely. It's, it's, I mean, it's like Jesus is talking directly to you. It's like right now I'm going through the Gospel of John. It's like John talking directly to you. He's like yeah. John eyeballing you and says, listen, I want you to live a more virtuous life. I don't want you to be like those guys that are trying to kill each other, that are trying to kill Jesus, that are trying to criticize people. I want you to love your neighbor, um, be like the good Samaritan, you know, try to love those that are unlovable. Yeah, definitely. It's like, you know, it, it hits you right in between your eyes, you know, to be virtuous, to be loving uh, is, is something very important. Does it, is it intimate? The Bible yeah, when, when, you, when you're in the Bible and it's talking very to you, and it, God, does it feel intimate? Very, very intimate. Very intimate. This is why I cannot miss it. It's so it's, very intimate, yeah. So are there times where you're in your Bible, say, in the morning, and you say you're in the book of John at the moment, mm-hmm. and you come across a passage where God is, it's almost got, I know what it's like, God leaping out at you, it's very powerful. Yeah. Um, do you ever have later times in that day where that passage comes back to you and helps you in actual practical day-to-day living, where if you hadn't have read it that morning and God hadn't spoken to you through the Bible, you might have reacted differently? Does that, does that question make sense? Yeah, it does make sense. It does make a lot of sense. Um, we all have, um, we all prejudge, okay? Yeah. Yeah. There are some people, uh, I wish I wasn't like that, but there are some people that I find easier to get along with, some people that I find harder to get along with. Yep, yep. I'm reading right now through the Gospel of John. Yep. And as I read through the Gospel of John, I see Jesus going to meet a Samaritan woman. Yeah. Uh, and, and John says the Jews and the Samaritans, they didn't get, they, they didn't get along very well. Yeah, but yeah. Jesus reaches out to the Samaritan woman. Mm-hmm. I read again to, in the Gospel of John and says, there was a man that was sick for 38 years. For 38 years, nobody saw him. Nobody helped mm-hmm. him. And Jesus reaches out to, to him. So during the day as I read, and again, you know, for me, reading the Bible is about being more virtuous, you know, mm-hmm. uh, trying to love the unloved, trying to love my neighbor as myself, trying to put others first, trying to understand the whole concept of what is, what is it that virtuous living is all about. Yeah, yeah. So, so when you read the Bible... Am I taking it too far? Is the Bible Jesus talking to me intimately, or, or am I taking that too far? For me, yeah. when I read the Bible, Jesus is talking to me intimately. Uh, the, the, the words jump out of the page. Yeah. Um, a, a, you know, later on you said we might talk about how to read the Bible. There are ways by which... John, for example, when you read, he makes that word become alive in such a way that it jumps out and it's as if it's something that's happening to me today. You know, that's yeah. you know, like I'm there in the action. Yeah. So, 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 yes, it's very intimate. But again, you know, like um, I think the purpose of the Gospels, for example, and you can even look at, at, at other books of the Bible, is yeah. to tell us how we live. It's yeah. not to tell us how they lived then. Yeah. But it's tell us, hey, listen, there, there are some people there that you can relate to, and you can relate to them by living a little bit more like them. 
Okay. Well, look, I'm, I'm running out of time really fast here, and there's another couple of things I want to ask you. So far you've mentioned uh, to practically walk, and I think we have to get you back if that's all right, Hensley. Yeah, sure. I, I'm finding this so interesting. I could talk to you for an hour. I don't know whether our listeners want to listen to me talking to you for an hour, but I love it. Hey, um, you've talked about Bible study prayer. Is there anything else, and I've, I've only got a few minutes left now, that you'd like to mention? Perhaps we can explore it deeper later, but is there anything else you'd like to mention? Yes, uh, uh, spirituality, walking with God is, the, is a very intimate thing. There is not a one-size-fits-all. Um, I don't know uh, whether you have children. I mean, yeah, I've, I do. I've got two sons. They're beautiful boys, but they relate to me differently. The younger one counts, he jumps and he hugs and he, you know, he wants to, you know, he wants to show that he's stronger than dad. That's yeah. how he shows his love. Uh, yeah. the, the older one is quieter and he is there to put in those little words here and there. A good preacher, he's studying yeah, theology, yeah. so he just puts in those kind of words. So they love yeah. you differently. And we're yeah. also different. And yeah, our work yeah. with God is very different. There's a good friend of mine that I respect a lot called um, Stuart Clark. I don't know if you've met him. Um, works at, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Stuart tells me that he, the best time when he connects with God when he, is when he's on the exercise machine. I said, man, really? I mean, for me, it's when I read my Bible. He says, no, 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 when he's on the exercise machine, he thinks, he contemplates, he listens to God. At times, he's listening to music also, and that's when he connects with God. Yeah, yeah. So everyone has a different journey, and, and we can see that in our own children. They have different journeys with us. So everyone has a different journey. And so I like that. One size fits all. I like that a lot, actually. So what you're saying is everybody, come to God. Come and to he's, God. He's going to take you on that journey in your way, how he's built you, and how you go is a little bit different than how I do. Sure, yeah. But there are some consistencies. Prayer and Bible study are pretty central to yes. the whole thing. I mean, like, you cannot uh, have a relationship with somebody without communicating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You cannot have a relationship without spending time. I, th- I heard you before talking about spending time in the Sabbath. You yeah. cannot, you know, not have a relationship without spending time. I mean, I mean, if I'm away from my wife all the time and I tell her I love you, I mean, it means nothing because I'm away from her. She'll yeah. think I'm trying to get away from her, yeah. you know? <laughs> True. Hey, I've got 30 seconds uh, left. I I really want to thank you for coming on today. It's such a fascinating uh, uh, discussion, is it? How do you have a practical walk with God? Because I think we're all out there trying to get it. But um, Hansley, can we get you back in the next couple of weeks and and we'll we'll go a bit further down this road and maybe start talk to you also about, uh, you know, Bibles, how to read the Bible and have it really make a difference in my life? Sure. I mean, that would be my pleasure. I mean, if your listeners would like to listen to me, in my French accent, I'll be happy to come back. Love it. Thank you. Thanks for thanks for coming on board. We'll see you next time, Hensley. And Thank we're almost out of time. Yeah. Let's let's have this last song, Hunty. Yep. I am willing, Lord yep. Heritage Singers.
Beautiful, beautiful song mm-hmm. to finish our program. Love it. Crazy program today, Hunty. It was. But we've survived it technically, and I just want to finish with a prayer. I hope and pray you've been able to, through the craziness of our challenges, I hope you've been able to just get a little sense of Jesus today and what he's offering you. Thank you, Lord, for your love. Bless those who are listening with a very special blessing, I pray. In your name, amen. My name's Lloyd Grolleman. I'm the Aussie pastor, and I love you. Next week, I'm going to see you. And everything's going to work a lot better. But until then, remember, God loves you a whole lot more. Bye. Thanks for joining the Aussie Pastor. If you enjoyed today's program and would like to find out more about Jesus, our ministry, always to support us, go to findjesus.tv. 